0: I'd like to invite your attention to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and specifically verses 18 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, where the great apostle Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, first of all, I thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Additionally, I thank you for making it possible to make us, to conform us to the one that you love the most, the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for your help this morning. In my own strength and own capabilities, I have nothing to offer. Father, I'm not here to give homespun words of wisdom. I'm here to declare, thus saith the Lord. And I can only do that by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Give us uh, the ability to concentrate on the subject at hand this morning. May we be open to whatever you would have us to do and learn whatever you would have us to learn. And to apply the truth appropriately. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin our study this morning of verse 21, let me remind you of just how important it is that we remember one of the most important guiding principles of Bible study. And that is whenever we study a portion of Scripture, we want to make sure that we always keep it in context. There is the danger exists of misrepresenting what the Holy Spirit is saying to us through the Apostle Paul by making the mistake of isolating verse 21 from the immediate context. And here's what I mean by that. It would be easy to read a verse like verse 21 and turn it into an application statement. Something like this. Uh, Now that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be sure and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But that would be a misrepresentation of what Paul is saying here in the text. We have to ask ourselves, is that what the text means? Is submitting to one another an add-on to being filled with the Spirit or... Is it an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? say, well, how do we answer such a question? Well, the way that we answer the question is by keeping it in context. So let's read the passage again, and then uh, we'll go back and make some observations. So Paul starts in verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a statement of fact, okay? Statement of fact. That's a command addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the passage opens with the command to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we've learned in our prior studies that to be filled with the Spirit produces the same results as letting the words of Christ dwell in us richly. And how do we let the words of Christ dwell in us richly? Well, we do that as we memorize and meditate on the Scriptures. And we have seen in our studies as well that all believers, now please listen, all believers, regardless of age, regardless of your educational attainments or lack thereof, we all are to memorize and meditate on the Scriptures. There are no excuses, and there are no exclusions found in the Scriptures. This is a command given to all. But what are the results of being filled with the Spirit? Well, when we're filled with the Spirit, what happens? Well, Paul says, we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We make melody melody to the Lord with our heart. We give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does the passage end there? No, it doesn't. He goes on to say, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Say, what's your point? Here's the point. Submitting to one another is just as much a part or evidence of being filled with the Spirit as addressing one another in spiritual songs, psalms, hymns, and all the, the rest that Paul says there. So it is not an addition, it's not an application statement, it is more of a doctrinal statement saying, as you are filled, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, all of these things will be true of you. Not three of the four statements, but all of these things will be true of you as you are filled with the Spirit. So submitting to one another is the evidence or the demonstration that we are indeed filled with the Spirit. That would... That would, that would solve a lot of problems in church business meetings. Amen. Therefore, we must be careful that we do not isolate biblical submission from being filled with the spirit. Because as we are filled with the spirit, we will dress one another in a spirit-filled way. We will make melody to the Lord. We will give thanks always and for everything to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I hope that you notice as we've been working our way through this passage that although we are personally commanded to be filled with the Spirit, we are to be filled with the Spirit for the benefit of others. Do you see this? That turns a lot of theology on its head, doesn't it? We address, what's it say? One another. We make melody to the Lord. We give thanks always and for everything to God the Father. And we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're self in that. See, we are to be filled with the Spirit for the good, for the benefit of others. And by the way, as we continue to work our way down through this passage in coming weeks, we will see that when we are filled with the Spirit, our spouses benefit, our children benefit, our employers benefit. The good Dr. Jones said, You who are filled with the Spirit must therefore sing together and submit yourselves to one another and behave as follows in the crucial relationships in life, which we'll look at in coming weeks. (coughs) Excuse me. That is not to say that we do not benefit when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we benefit from the fact that as we are filled with the Spirit, we enjoy fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. With this additional benefit, that as we obey the Spirit and we are filled with the Spirit, we keep ourselves out of trouble. Right? So, yes... We are filled with the Spirit for the benefit of others, but we benefit as well. So if we are to submit to one another, then we need to have at least a basic understanding of what the Bible means. So the word that the Apostle Paul uses here has a military connotation to it. It's a picture of a regiment of soldiers who are all lined up under the command of their commander or the officer in charge. And when you think about it, there's a sense that when a man or a woman joins the military, they are no longer, they no longer see themselves as individuals. They rather see themselves as part of a whole. They're part of a platoon or a regiment or a company, whatever it's called. And all the members of that regiment, they form a whole, a a team. And they all have this, at least one common characteristic, they all listen to they're superior. And when a man or woman joins the military, they voluntarily give up some of their rights. For instance, they can no longer set their own schedule. They can't uh, show up for uh, uh, military maneuvers whenever they feel like it. Uh, they can't get out of bed whenever they feel like it. They can't say, oh, rough day yesterday. I think I'll sleep in today. No the trumpet sounds or whatever it is, and what do they got to do? They got to get up. They have to be awake and ready for their duty. So everyone who joins the military is under authority. And the rules of the military dictate their lives. I don't think anybody would argue with that. So that's the picture here behind Paul's word choice. What Paul is saying to us, that we who are filled with the Spirit are to behave in a certain way concerning how we relate to others. And by the way, I won't be able to deal with this today, but this was given in the context of the local church. Okay, And maybe next week I'll, I'll, I'll flesh that out for you. And like a soldier... We as believers, we're all members of the same regiment. We are units in God's army. And sometimes a soldier is forced to do things that they simply don't want to do. But as believers, as Christians, we do them voluntarily. And we do them for the good of others. So just as a soldier submits for the good of their fellow soldiers, you and I are to submit to one another for the good of others. And we learned as we are filled with the Spirit, others receive the benefit of our being filled. And just as we submit for the good of others, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the good of others. How can you and I best love and serve others? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. You will never have higher expressions of love And deeper devotion to service than when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And to try and do those things, apart from being filled with the Holy Spirit, leads to inevitable failure. Okay. So as we are filled with the Spirit, we address who? Well, One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are filled with the Spirit. We give thanks for everything and always to God the Father, and he is glorified. As we are filled with the Spirit, we submit to one another. Certainly, as I said, we benefit from one another. We benefit from the fellowship we share with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We benefit as we obey our Heavenly Father and keep ourselves out of trouble and enjoy the blessings of obedience. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he gives us five insights that I'd like to share with you this morning. as what it means to submit to one another. First of all, it means that we are not thoughtless. Meaning that we think about what our actions, what impact they're going to have on other people. If we're submitting to one another, we're not going to be thoughtless about it. We're going to think it through. Remember, the believer is always to be governed by the truth of Scripture. And we ask ourselves, how can I best serve this person? We ask ourselves, if I act in a certain way towards this person what will their opinion of Christ be? What will they understand about Jesus through my interaction with them? Number two, he said it means that we cannot be selfish or self-centered. It means that we no longer think only of ourselves. One of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is how they put the needs of others in front of their own. It's not very hard to see how this goes against the grain of our culture, is it? I mean, we live in, what's it called, the selfie generation. It's all about us, our brand, whatever that is. Thirdly, he said, don't be, indiv- indiv- <laughs> be an individual, but don't force your way on th- people. My tongue's not working this morning. I'm sorry. I had a rough week. In other words, don't be that person who won't conform and always have to have things their way and always want to go off and do their own thing. Don't be that person who's only primarily concerned about their needs. You can't be that kind of person and be submitting to one Another you can't be that person and say that you're filled with the spirit fourthly. He said don't be self-assertive And then lastly he says don't be self-seeking Okay So to be filled with the spirit is to, to submit to one another and we submit for the good of others now as painful as this may be Please take a minute and think about the week you just finished Did you live a life Of submitting to one another or did everything have to be done your way or it was going to be the highway did you seek the welfare of others or did everything have to be all about you I know that's not a comfortable question to ask ourselves But it's a necessary question to ask ourselves. And do you know one of the primary battlefields which our claim to faith in Christ is being tested on? Our homes. Our homes. Our Christianity is tested with our interactions with others. Our Christianity is tested through our interactions with our husbands or our wives, our children, or our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, based upon that standard, did your Christianity stand the test this week? Or did you live life as if you weren't even a believer? I've seen this too often here frequently. Troubles come, things arise, situations arise, and the people's Christianity goes out the window. It should not be that way. You've been empowered through the Holy Spirit. To be like Christ. But how quickly we jettison that because we don't get our way. Things don't go our way. It ought to be a shame to us, shouldn't it? I believe many Christians are fooling themselves. They mistakenly believe as long as they are not engaged in some rampant immorality or some scandalous sin, then that's all that's required of them. But that portrays a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. The believer is to strive for obedience in every area of our lives, especially in how we relate to others and how we treat others. What did Jesus say? Hey, the way you do it to the least of them, you're just doing it to me. See. And if you look back over your past week and you find out that you failed the test, then please don't brush it off. Confess it. Confess that you were not filled with the Spirit. Confess that you've grieved the Spirit. Confess that you've lived in a selfish and self-centered manner. Confess your sin in not letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then commit to memorizing and meditating on the Scripture so that you can be filled with the Spirit. And it is only as we are consistently filled with the Spirit that we will be able to submit to others, and put others ahead of ourselves. All right. That's what we are to do. We are to submit to one another. The question is, why are we to do this? Why are we to do this? Well, notice what Paul says at the very end of verse 21. If we're not careful, we'll kind of skip over it. We won't catch the significance of it. Submitting to one another, what's it say? Out of reverence. For Christ. For Christ. Brian Chapel says we should submit to others out of reverence for Christ's authority over our lives. Reverence for Christ means that we hold a deep respect for the Lord Jesus. And say, how can I hold this deep respect for the Lord Jesus? This is not going to shock you as you meditate on the Lord Jesus. As you meditate on who he is and what he has done for you. You can't help but grow in respect for The Lord Jesus. As we meditate on the truth that the eternal Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, that he left eternal glory, the the eternal glory that he shared with his Father, and he willingly came to planet Earth, and he willingly took on humanity, our reverence and our respect for Jesus has to grow. As we meditate on the incarnation, And then we read words like Paul wrote to the Philippians where he said, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He did what? He exalted himself. He mounted a throne. He said he was the big kahuna. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, as we meditate on that and contemplate that, our reverence for Jesus has to grow. If you don't catch anything else I say today, please note this. Perhaps we do not think more of Jesus because we do not often think enough about Jesus. If we don't reverence Christ the way that we should, go back to the way, the frequency, the depth of which you're thinking about the Lord Jesus. We read of Jesus in the Gospels and what he's doing. He's washing the feet of the disciples and our reverence for, for him grows. As we read his own words that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, our reverence for him grows and should motivate us to be filled with his spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. Why do we submit to one another? because Jesus has set the example for us. Jesus, through his words and his actions, has taught us to do so. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you make yourself number one, if you claim to be dominant, if you claim to be more important than other people. Is that what it says? No. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And I find it hard to believe that you can love others and not submit to them. And I realize here was my great fear of preaching this sermon was that it would come across in a condemning way. And I don't want it to be in a condemning way because I realize this may be new for many of us. What we've learned the past few weeks, it may be completely new for many of us. And as we examine our lives, we're grieved that we didn't pursue the filling of the Spirit and now we realize that our lack of action was disrespectful to Jesus and our hearts are grieved and they're broken if that describes you and by the way it describes all of us at one time or another if that describes you then remember that the good news of the gospel applies here the blood of Christ covers and forgives your disrespect of Christ if it didn't, none of us would be saved. See? Confess and forsake and pursue with all your might, letting the words of Christ dwell in you richly. When we meditate on what Jesus has done for us personally, say, what has he done for us personally if, I, if I'm in Christ? Well, he's brought us from a state of spiritual death. He's brought us from a state of spiritual helplessness and hopelessness into a state of spiritual life. When we meditate on the fact that at one time we were separated from Christ, that we were strangers to the covenants, and Paul says we were without hope in this world, but now through Christ we have what? We have been brought near. We have been adopted. We are now numbered among God's children, and that we will forever be the object of God's grace, which Paul says he's going to dish out a little bit at a time on us. No, that he's going to lavish on us for all of eternity. How can we not display our reverence, our respect for Christ? by obeying the command to be filled with the Spirit. Consider this. God desires to fill you with His Spirit so that you can be Christ to others. God desires to fill you with His Spirit so that you can be Christ to others. Not as Savior, but in character. Have you ever thought about that? Now, all of a sudden, being filled with the Spirit doesn't seem like it's just something theoretical or just for a select few. That's for everybody. So we can be Christ to others. Christ to others in our homes, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. I beg you to let the reality of that truth and the weight of that truth settle down on you. Meditate on that truth until you weep over your lack of concern for not being filled with the Spirit and over having lost all of those opportunities where we could have been Christ to others. And then finally, remember this. One day, you and I will have to look into the tender eyes of Jesus and give an account as to why or why not we didn't reverence him. Think about that. So you show, you demonstrate your reverence for Christ by obeying him. So I'm compelled to ask you, have you obeyed the most basic command of Scripture to repent of your sin, to turn from your sin, to renounce your selfishness, your self-centeredness, and by faith embrace the Lord Jesus, asking him to forgive your sins and to adopt you into his family? See, everybody one day is going to stand before Christ, believer and unbeliever alike. And one day, everybody's going to look into those eyes of Jesus. And if you are a believer, guess what? You'll still be looking into those tender eyes of mercy. But if you are not an unbeliever, you will not see eyes of mercy. You will see eyes of fiery judgment. And as you look into those eyes, there will be no excuses. There will be nothing left to say. The only one who will speak will be the Lord Jesus. And sadly, you will hear him say, Depart from me. I never knew you. You would, you would never refer, reverence me now. Now I'm rejecting you. You say that's harsh. It is. You say that's not pleasant to hear. It isn't. But it is necessary. Don't let that be your fate. Flee today to Christ for salvation. Father, I trust that you have used this tongue that stumbled over its words and the mind that perhaps wasn't as clear as it should have been, that you would use it for your glory. Father, may we exalt you and reverence you, not just on Sundays, but on every day of every week for the rest of our lives. And when we don't, because we still battle the remnants of sin, may we turn back to the cross and seek the forgiveness as we confess and forsake Lord, fill us. Lord, many times I was thinking about this yesterday. We we talk about being a spirit-filled church. A church cannot be spirit-filled unless the individuals in the church are spirit-filled. May we strive to be filled with your spirit. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.